Last week, Melody, business development at Alloy, joined me for our Woman in Supply Chain episode for July, and we had an epic discussion about her journey in supply chain and what it means to be curious. Melody talks about how we can better support each other free of judgment and bias. Go and check it out. It's episode 123, wherever you subscribe to the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast or under podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Ayana is responding to the needs of the intermodal freight industry, and they are delivering. They have created a brand new program called The Business of Intermodal Continues. It's entirely online and will include educational webinars, virtual panel discussions, market updates, and industry leader interviews throughout the remainder of 2020. For more details, visit intermodal.org. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. There are so many amazing conversations happening in supply chain all around us, including a lot on LinkedIn. So hopefully you are participating in those, you are sharing your thoughts and um, getting involved in some of those conversations. We are also talking about the hot supply chain topics of the week every single Tuesday morning on my thoughts and coffee episode at 10 a.m. Eastern live on Let's Talk Supply Chain, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So go and check that out. Today, we are getting an exclusive update from a company that first appeared on our show in 2018 and have since made a big impact on supply chain. They are leading the change in supply chain mapping, and helping their customers into the new normal of our industry. But before we get into the question of the week, I do have a new review coming from Demo Perez 72 They gave us five stars. Thank you so much, Demo, and said, this podcast gives great information about the trends that are impacting the supply chain industry. They present practitioners and SMEs in different areas that make it great for supply chain professionals at all levels. Thank you so much, Demo, for sending in your review. And if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode as well, make sure you go and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. So next, let's get to the question of the week. So the question we asked was, who needs a vacation and where would you go? I don't know about you guys, but I am definitely in need of a vacation. Around this time, I would be in Florida right now, and uh, I am definitely, definitely missing the beach. But it was really a lot of fun to be able to daydream with all of you on this question. We appreciate you letting us in on where you would go. Jonathan M. Townsley was planning a family trip to Russia, but with all that's going on, we have we were redirected to make a road trip across America. Enjoy, Jonathan. David McCarty, we are renting a cabin in the woods for hiking, canoeing, ziplining, bonfires, and unplugging. Love it. Jammin, this probably seems wild, but I'm missing my Midwest friends in Kansas City and Des Moines. That's where I would love to go right 
now. Lindsay says, been planning on New Zealand for a while, beach and mountains. Wow, that sounds amazing. I have been to Auckland and it's a great place. If you go to Auckland, make sure you go and go on a boat tour and go and see the dolphins and the whales. John Buglino, hope to get the family trip to Myrtle Beach back in the calendar soon. Eddie said, it's really annoying here in Scotland. Nowhere is open and he definitely needs a holiday. Well, I hope that you get that holiday very, very soon. Uh, Tim Ingram says, anywhere that offers great fishing. Davin, Calgary for me because he misses his family. Scott Luton, I'd love to go to San Francisco or Key West. James Meads, Cape Town or Sri Lanka. Trey Griggs, National Parks such as Yosemite, Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, Badlands, etc. That is where he is going next. And Raham says, New Zealand. Alvaro says, Iceland or Finland. I've actually been to Helsinki quite a few times and it's an amazing, amazing city. Um, just be careful because at some points in the year, um, the, the, the light changes. So there's only, you know, four hours of darkness. And so you can be out at 1am and it can feel like six o'clock in the afternoon. And Iceland, I've transitioned through. I've never actually um, made my way into Iceland, but I would definitely love to do that one of these days. And so it's great to hear where everybody wants to go and, and what type of vacation they're going to take when all of us get somewhat back to normal. So thank you to everyone who took part in the conversation this week. And remember to join in every single Wednesday morning on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. So today... Rana Rose, VP of Operations from Resolink, is here to give us an update on what they are doing as a company, as well as share her journey and how finance has helped her in her supply chain career. Let's learn a little bit more about that journey before we dive in. Rana Rose serves as Vice President of Operations for Resolink a leading provider of supply chain data and risk analytics solutions. Joining Resolink in 2013, she oversees five global departments across the U.S. and India to drive performance, increase revenue, and lead customer excellence. Prior to Resolink, Rose served as Senior Supply Chain Manager at Illumina, procuring commodities such as reagents and chemicals for optics assemblies for DNA sequencing. She also held supply chain management management positions at Omnion Video Networks, Trimble Navigation, and Selectron Corp. She was also a management controller at KPMG, and Rose holds a finance degree and graduated with an MBA from Pepperdine University. She lives in the Bay Area with her family and enjoys hiking. So welcome to the show, Reina. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, for having me today. I am so excited to have you here today because Bindia was last on the show over a year ago, and she spoke with us about the amazing things you guys do at Brazil Inc. And I think it's really going to be great to hear not only about you, about your journey, but also about how the company has evolved. So let's start there. Why don't you tell us or give us a refresher on what Brazil Inc. does and how you have evolved over the last 18 months? Great. Thank you. So what Resolink provides is we um, provide data analytics solutions, mapping and monitoring um, of supply chain and uh, 
of supply chain for procurement officers and other supply chain professionals. Um, you know, over the last 18 months, uh, we've grown in the technology um, that we provide to our customers. So since Bindia has been there, um, our product has taken, a, I'd say, a 180 degree turn in that we were on a, a new platform um, and that the examples like, like I, for instance, what we've done in the last 18 months is we've implemented a hurricane simulator where we have data from the last 10 years that we've been collecting. And so we overlay all of this data on, on our maps. And now you can know which region gets hit the hardest uh, with the number of suppliers in that region, the number of parts, the number of products, the number of business units. So our customers can take advantage of knowing how a certain supplier site has been affected in the past, um, you know, by hurricane situations. And what they can do is now uh, proactively work with those suppliers to identify alternate solutions. So especially with the new um, season coming up, and we know it's already been announced that it's going to be worse than it was the last two years. It's a great way that our customers are already proactively taking advantage of the solutions we have uh, put in our software. And I really like that word proactive, right? I think, you know, the last couple of months has really shown us how important it is to be proactive, um, especially with, you know, things like hurricanes, natural disasters, you know, obviously this pandemic that's that's hit us all very, very hard. And I think what it's also shown is how important the data really is. And so if you are accumulating or have accumulated that data over the last couple of years, and you can overlay and really show it to your customers what that means to their business so that they can proactively plan and prepare. I think that that's huge. But before we go on, Tell us a little bit about supply chain mapping, um, just for those maybe in our audience that don't really know what it's all about. Great. So, um, you know, actually, you'd be surprised that most companies don't know where their supply chain's coming from. I mean, this was obviously made very apparent in the last um, COVID situation. Um, you know, mapping is important uh, because um, you need to know where your tier one. Uh, you know, most companies know where their tier one is, but how do you, you know, to know where your tier two, three, all the way down to the end level is. So what mapping really is, isn't just taking a part and uh, putting it on the map, but until you map and identify who your sub tiers are, you will not know that both your tier one suppliers use the same suppliers, a same tier two. And we've seen this happen multiple times. You know, a customer will come in and they'll say, I know where all my tier ones are and I have identify them and I've, I've, I've put in alternates in place because I'm a, a life science customer and the FDA requires me to know where everything is. And so we start going, we're like, okay, work with us and we'll help you find your tier two. We work with these companies, we find tier two and guess what? They have a tier one supplier. They've, they've qualified an alternate for it. So they think that they've um, uh, mitigated their risk. But both of those tier ones are using the same tier two or worst case, same tier three. So wow. what mapping does is it identifies the single point of failure. And this is where you need to put a resiliency play, plan in place, not your tier one, but all the way down to the tier two or the tier three. So, you know, this is um, uh, on the map, you find where your manufacturing site is for a specific, say, memory chip, for example, and where the kitting is 
uh, where the programming happens for that same memory chip. Where is it warehoused? And um, where is it shipped from? Um, so taking that part and mapping the full workflow, the material flow, knowing that this part goes from here, 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 all these locations. And this is all just within one tier supplier. That's what mapping is, knowing the full uh, uh, flow of your supply chain. Well, and just think of the supply and demand issues that we've seen in supply chain um, just for the last couple of months with COVID, right? Right. We've seen so much supply and demand issues, and it's because consumer demand has spiked in so many different areas, and we just didn't have the supply on hand to be able to do that. And I think that if you really map it out and get to the granular level and understand, because if you're tier one, is also getting a product from a tier two and you're using them potentially as an alternate, they're going to back up (laughs) because they're using the same tier two and not different suppliers for that. So, you know, it's, you've really got to take it down to that granular, granular level to be able to map it out and understand what that's going to be for you from a supply and demand perspective. And I think that it's really great that you were able to show us that because you know, it's not something necessarily maybe that's top of mind, but really, really, really important to your business and moving forward um, for a successful future. So, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I agree, Sarah, and I'm a um, Six Sigma black belt uh, in lean manufacturing. So when I received my black belt, it was all about being lean, right? But it, And that's great. You want to be lean. Nobody wants to hold that extra inventory, but it's being lean in the right place of your supply chain. Most people so, end up being lean in the, in the tier ones, but, you know, is that really the right place you want to be lean in? So that's, that's what we, we're trying to expose. It's so, so true. That's a really, really great point. So you guys are talking to a lot of different people. Obviously, through COVID, you know, gaps are showing up. Um, Your mapping is really important. It's really showing your customers where they can be more agile, where they can uh, mitigate risk, where they can be more resilient. So what are clients asking you the most about right now? What are some of their biggest questions? So right now, everybody wants to know where their multi-tier mapping is. They want to know who their tier one is, who their tier two, three, all the way down to the earth level, Um, you know, on many different levels, um, you know, during COVID-19, like you said, everybody learned how important this is to know um, your sub-tiers are and um, how they're going to affect you in the long term. And, and the idea isn't to try to disqualify a sub-tier. The idea is, is to work with these sub-tiers to make them uh, be resilient. And that's what best-in-class customers of ours do, right? Uh, because if you were to go out and say, hey, I want you to tell me um, you know, your uh, tier two information well they're gonna you, you never want to put a tier one in a place where they're gonna think are you gonna go around them and um, work directly with a tier two the idea really is is to work with your tier one tier two tier three because it's a partnership they're an extension of our customers so that's why in resident we actually call them partners um, you know so everybody is asking about their multi-tier mapping um, you know t- I always use this example um, you know in California we have this program called shake it up 
of California. And what that is, is that every year companies participate and we simulate the big one, the big earthquakes come. And everybody has a part to play. You'll see people on the side of the freeways and at businesses, either they're hurt or they're playing the uh, paramedic or whatever, but everybody has a role to play. And what this does every year is helps us prepare for when the big one really does happen. So this is what our tool does, is that it allows customers to simulate a what-if analysis and proactively, by simulating the situation, see where the gaps may be and where your supply chain is weak. And the idea really is to stay ahead of the crisis. Of course, nobody can predict the big one. Um, nobody knows when it's going to happen or how big it's going to be. And I'm sure there's going to be some casualties. Um, but reducing that is what the goal is. And that's what yeah. we try to do. Well, and I really like that example. Um, I didn't actually know that you did that in California, but I really like that example because it really shows us, you know, even to a consumer standpoint, what that really looks like and how it affects everybody. But what you were, what we were really referring to is more of an ecosystem, right? It's a collaboration of companies. And so they feel comfortable in that partnership and knowing that everybody has a role to play. That is correct. Yes. Yeah, which is huge, right? I always talk about collaboration being the future of business, and I truly believe that. I mean, I say it way too often. Um, maybe not often enough. Who knows? Um, I think but customers I are starting to understand that now, right? That, um, and we, a lot of our customers actually do collaborate with each other, even within the same industry. Um, mm -hmm. You know, rather than having a um, a standard uh, set of rules to do, they'll say, okay, um, let's get all our customers from high tech together and let's make the industry standard for uh, compliance. Let's, let's make the industry standard for quality in life science. Um, so, you know, working together, trying to uh, collaborate is, ex you're 100% right, is where we need to go um, as, as, as the companies grow. Well, you know, and how do we support each other through these scenarios? Right. Correct. No longer is it about everybody to themselves. It's about how do we come together and support each other through these scenarios within that ecosystem. So you mentioned that you are a black belt lean six, six, six Sigma. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got into supply chain management? I always like to hear how people um, either they fell into it or, you know, how they got into supply chain management. Yeah, so about 20 years ago, I worked at KPMG as a cost controller, all finance, um, but I was a controller for a partner that implemented um, supply chain software. Um, so I would listen to all these uh, consultants come in and talk about supply chain. And I just thought, how exciting. They were, they were so excited what they were talking about. And I was sitting there crunching numbers, um, you know, trying to tell them what, what, where the projects were going and what we should be billing and so forth. Um, so I, I started hounding the partner I was working for. And I'm like, I really want to get into consulting. I really want to know more about supply chain. Um, and he's, you know, he's like, oh, well, you know, the consulting we can teach you, but supply chain, um, you know, you'll have to learn and, and, you know, figure something out on your own. So I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll go ahead and figure this out. So I started um, every time the the um, the consultants would come in, I would just start asking them more about supply chain. What is supply chain? What is it that you're doing? Um, and then I, I learned as much as I could. And uh, then I went in and I switched gears. I was 
lucky. Wow. I was in the right place at the right time. I got a job at a, a contract manufacturer, which is now Flextronics, um, as my first supply chain job. And I went in managing um, as a supply chain manager. So I think through hard work and a lot of luck, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I love that. And, you know, it's it's all about um, everything happens for a reason, right? There was, there was yeah. a reason that they came in. There was a reason that you saw their passion for supply chain. And let me tell you, supply chain professionals are passionate about supply chain, right? I mean, oh my gosh. I, that. I used to be so jealous. They would come in and they would be so happy and, and just so excited. And, and they would talk about these great customers they're, they're visiting and, and what they're doing. And, and I would like literally just sit there and say wow that's that's what I want to do so it was a great amazing. great chance, chance I took and I'm so glad I did amazing so through your supply chain management career thus far what are some of the greatest challenges you've experienced I mean obviously the industry has changed so much I don't know about yeah. you I've been in the industry for over 20 years as well and it's changed yeah. a lot for me so what are some of those challenges that you've experienced so I'm going to take you back 20 years ago when I first started. So I oversaw all contract manufacturing at a Fortune 500 company. And um, at that point, we had decided to transfer our manufacturing from uh, California to Malaysia. That was a big thing back then. Um, so uh, and then the world, you know, 20 years ago, the world was was different. Um, we were not um, as aware of the cultural differences as we are now. Um, and then being a woman, uh, in a Malaysian uh, country, there were also some hurdles that I had to overcome. So um, working with men in Malaysia was challenging. I remember having a, um, a junior commodity manager with me on my first trip. And uh, my counterparts in Malaysia, every time a question would ask, they would ask him and I would answer. And then uh, even then I would answer, then they'd ask him again, and then I would answer. And I started realizing, wait, he's a male and they're thinking that he's the one in charge and he's my junior who I'm bringing along to train. Um, so, you know, we did the song and dance for a while until they finally realized that I was the one in charge and not the, the young gentleman that was with me. Um, it, it didn't happen overnight. It happened. I, I say by the second trip is when, um, you know, they started to realize I won them over, not by being authoritative, by show, but by showing them that I understood the products that we were going to have them make uh, by showing them my knowledge. Um, I understood the full bill of material on our products and the key relationship with the suppliers we had. So knowing that, um, you know, proving to them that um, I knew what we were transferring, why we were transferring, um, you know, won them over. Um, and so, you know, and, and then right before I joined Resolink about seven years ago, I actually had a chance to go back to Malaysia with my prior company. And I was so happy to see the progress the country has made. I know comparing 20 years apart is a huge gap, two decades, but it was nice to see the progress that's, that's been made. Um, you know, women are respected. Um, it's just nice to know that, you know, if my daughters want to get into this field, um, they don't have to deal with this in the different culture setting. So, yes, that's what I had to deal with. But I, I think we've come a long way in 20 years. 
Yeah, and that's a, that's a really great story. I mean, and it and it shows that if you stick with something and you're confident in your knowledge and you keep learning and you um, make it known that you do understand and, and know about what you're talking about, that you might not win them over the first time, but you yeah. just keep going. Right. Exactly. I think I think that's a story in resilience. And we're, we're talking about supply chain resilience today. So I really, really like that. So um, how has supply chain management changed over the last 20 years? What, what do you think? What, what have you seen? I mean, I know what I've seen, but what have you seen? Um, so I think that risk has become more important to all companies. Um, CEOs are taking more um, you know, aggressive look at risk. Um, more importantly, technology has gotten smarter, better, like even with Resolink, you know, where we were and where we are, it's just the technology is, um, you know, so much better. Um, you know, 10 years ago, proactive risk products weren't available. It was, everything was reactive. Where we are now is we're trying to pretty much predict what's going to happen. Um, and that is what's going to keep us ahead because we all know that, um, you know, with, with the climates changing, uh, so many things happening in the world, these events aren't going to go away. As a matter of fact, what our um, records have shown is these events are increasing, whether it's factory fire, whether it's the environmental effect, whether it's geopolitical, uh, all these events are increasing year over year. And we can't, we can't know we can no longer just sit back and say it didn't affect me because something is going to affect you at one point or another and you have mm -hmm. to uh, use the technology and the data to be uh, ahead of this and and um, be proactive yeah and I think also education is a really big component to that too right you need to have the expertise on yeah. your team to really be able to also help with that, right? So t technology is the enabler, but you need to have the expertise of the people. So the supply chain professionals, depending on what, yep. where they are, but in international trade, right? You are it correct. Mm -hmm. And you know that, that that's that's one of the great things you brought up is we're seeing more and more universities now offer uh, supply chain risk as a uh, as a as a as a course. Actually, great. a lot of universities are also using Resolink um, as a course offering. So we've partnered with multiple universities that use our product, our platform, to train students on supply chain uh, resiliency. So now we're getting the next wave of students coming out of these amazing universities with a knowledge that we weren't taught. We had to learn it on the job and, and build it as we go along. But this new set of students coming out are, are going to be uh, way ahead of where we were. That's amazing and so great to hear because um, I actually hadn't heard that that was part of the offering and I think that you're right. I think that it's crucial to their learning and for them to come into the industry. It sounds like you're really excited about that. What, what else is getting you excited about the future of supply chain management? Um, I, I think, uh, but then technology, the, the greater transparency, um, you know, like thanks to technology, your 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 supply chain is more transparent than ever before. Um, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was easy to hide interruption errors. Um, technology has enabled customers to receive instant answers to their queries. Um, for example, uh, when a factory fire happens in one of our customer supplier sites, not only is the customer um, notified, but the supplier is also notified. Uh, the supplier mm. can immediately let our customer know if they're impacted, how long they're impacted for, when they plan on going back to full production. 
And now the customer can connect directly with the right contact at the supplier, which usually isn't, um, you know, the person that's doing your POs, right? This is somebody that's on the floor that the supplier, our customers usually don't know about. So that this person on the floor, the general manager, the quality person, they now have direct contact with them and they can say, you know, okay, thank you for letting me know you are impacted. Here's what we want to do. Um, and here's here's a process and playbooks that we're going to create and put them in place. So next time these situations happen, um, these playbooks are already in place. So you're not recreating the wheel. Um, this is all due to the advancements in technology. Um, you know, I remember, Sarah, when I um, first came into the commodity management world, my best friend was a, a notebook. I would, um, you know, and all my all my notes would be kept in there. And I remember I had taken over a, a commodity from somebody that had left our company and all his notes and all his, um, you know, safety stock that he had put in place with all these customers left with him. And I was shocked, um, you know, to hear at the end of the end of the quarter to understand that I, I apparently we as a company had signed up for so much, but none of this was anywhere for us because. It left in the notebook, but now technology exposes all of that. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Not something that we always talk about, right? right? Is the fact that, you know, technology is not only an enabler to be able to help us improve process and become more predictive, et cetera, et cetera, but it also protects not only the supply chain, but the business in general from the core knowledge um, that is within the company so that we can not only improve as individuals, but we can also improve as teams within companies as well. So you talked about in your journey working as a supply chain manager manager for the OEM, um, but you also talked about being an advisor. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to understand from you what's the difference between the two. I mean, we always talk, we always hear about supply chain consultants, and then we we always hear about you know supply chain professionals working as managers in specific or different industries. So what was the what was the difference in that for you? Um, so for me, when I was working on the OEM side, it was a, a reactive uh, versus as on the wrestling side, I'm more I'm, I'm on the proactive side. So uh, a good example I always say is um, when the 2004 tsunami happened, I was at an OEM and we went through a lot of heroics to make sure our product was shipped on time. That was our goal. Get our product out the door and make sure that we met all our customers requirements. Um, how did we do that? We paid large amounts of purchase price variance, PPV, spent a lot of engineering time and effort. So therefore, you're pulling engineering out of R&D to help qualify alternate parts and alternate suppliers. And then we were um, logistically, we were pl um, flying parts on airplanes versus, you know, the standard boating that we would do. So we got our products out. But we did take a financial hit on our books, not our customers. Um, but how do we do that? Because we were reactive. Um, and if we had a solution like what we, where I am now, um, you know, we would have known at that point how many of our parts were in that Japanese area, which suppliers were there, which were the critical suppliers to chase. chase. I spent two weeks chasing a supplier only to realize that that only affected one product we already had on the shelf. 
and didn't need to worry about it for another six months. That's two mm -hmm. weeks of a commodity manager's time. Um, but because with the technology, we didn't have the technology. So we were all doing things haphazardly, right? Um, so th th that's the difference for me is, is I saw one side as very react, um, proact reactive and the other side is very proactive. Wow, that's an incredible story. Can you imagine, you know, sitting there in the audience listening to this and going, you know, I wonder how much time my category managers, supply chain managers are spending when something like this comes up. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a natural disaster. It could really right. be anything, like you said, like a factory fire or, or some, some things that really aren't predictable and, and, and just do happen and do come up. Um, but just think about that. How much time are they yeah. spending to be reactive to those different types of scenarios? So yeah. supply chains are global. I don't know about you, but my job currently and my job in the past has taken me around the world. I have been very fortunate to be able to travel. You mentioned you traveled to Malaysia, which is not somewhere I've been yet, but definitely on my bucket list. So does your job take you around the world? What does that look like for you? I mean, obviously not in COVID right now, but generally yeah. speaking. Yeah. So, um, you know, supply chains and logistic jobs necessitate some international travel. Um, you know, these trips focus more on work and si work rather than sightseeing. So um, the opportunity to see other countries and cultures is always exciting. You always find time, you know, whether it's going out to dinner with the locals or, you know, having that extra day. It's, it's always great to get to know the people you're working with rather than just emailing. So my role's taken me all over, not just the world, but all over the um, United States. Um, you know, whether I'm qualifying suppliers in Guadalajara, China, um, Europe, or, um, you know, uh, moving manufacturing into Malaysia. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. I loved it. I think that it's a, it's a great way to uh, make an impact and uh, get to meet people and understand how different cultures, how different parts of the world work. So, yes, it does require some travel, and I consider that a positive and, and fortunate. Absolutely. I think now, you know, with things changing a little bit and a lot of things going virtual, um, I think it remains to be seen whether that's going to um, change or maybe reduce a little bit. But for anybody looking to get into supply chain management, I think that it's definitely, definitely a big part of the job um, as, as a plus and a positive. So lastly, we're going to wind down this interview, but I want to ask you, what advice do you give young women wanting to get into supply chain management? So supply chain is at the core of various phases um, of a product's life, including, you know, production, um, distribution, delivery. Um, you know, the demand for supply chain experts is currently like at an all-time high. Um, you know, today, well-educated supply chain professionals with skills in, you know, information technology, um, project management, engineering, um, cost accounting, um, you know, troubleshooting, um, cross-cultural issues. And if you have the ability to bridge and build strategic relationships and expand big picture perspectives, you know, you are going to be highly sought after. So if you, um, if you hope to find steady, high-paying work, I tell all women, this is the career for you. And I am so pleased to see an increasing number of women enter this field. Um, you know, it's very exciting. It's, it's such a rewarding career. And I really encourage women to pursue it even more. 
Yes, thank you for that. And um, we can't hear that enough, right? I think that we need to encourage, we need to support, um, and we need to bring more diversity into supply chain in general. And I think we're doing that by providing these episodes and um, through more education and providing opportunities for them as well. Supply chain mapping is the future of resiliency in our new normal as everything comes back online and we prepare for a future that no one has experienced before. I'm so glad that we have people like Raina and companies like Resilink here to lead, to guide, and to collaborate collaborate with. For more information about Raina, Resilink, and this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode 124 or Resilink, R-E-S-I-L-I-N-C dot com. Thank you to Mark and the team at Resilink for making this episode possible. And thank you, Reyna, for coming on the show and sharing your perspectives with us today. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. Are you looking for companies to partner with in your supply chain? We have you covered. Go to podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com and use the category filter to find what you are looking for. Next week, we are joined by Ram, CEO of SKU Team and one of the first 15 people to work at Flexport. Stay tuned next week as we hear how he is taking a 14% margin cost on manufacturing and bringing it down to $300 flat for most most retailers. I can't wait for you to hear that episode. If you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. Follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to our YouTube channel called the SC Supply Chain TV. Ships.com, that is the supply chain technology that you've been hearing a lot about. We are looking for mid-market shippers that are looking to streamline their processes of getting air freight and ocean freight quotes from freight forwarders. And we're also looking for freight forwarders to come and join us on our platform as well. If you're looking for merch for the supply chain professional in your life, please go to shop at letstalksupplychain.com. We also have a supply chain dictionary, which is 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions you will need to succeed in your supply chain career. Next, if you'd like to be featured on a show, go and rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts and I will feature your review on an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.